Hey, you. Thanks for tapping into Untap Keg, podcast where we look at different um, perspectives, sobriety and mental health, where we believe there's only one right way to get sober, and that's the way that works for you. I'm RJ Zimmerman, and I am excited to be joined by real estate agent, coach, guy in his 50s, non-drinker, Rich Sullivan. How are you doing today, Rich? Hey, RJ. Good to see you, man. I'm doing great. <laughs> this is this is going to be a fun episode. We've been talking a little bit, and it's just uh, it's going to be fun to see where it goes. But before we get into it, uh, could you give us a little bit about yourself and who Rich is and how you, you are where you are right now? So uh, quick bullet points on me is I've been out, you know, sober for 11 years. Um, I was sober for a time when I was a younger person in my teens. I had some problems early on with uh, alcohol and drugs and um, had a little good stretch of sobriety, actually, from, you know, in my teens into my early 20s. Um, moved to, to Georgia uh, when I was about 22 years old and uh, fell in love with the radio business. That's really what I love, broadcasting. And I worked in that business for uh, two and a half decades, just about. And um, business has changed quite a bit. Um, and I was one of those changes. And uh, that's what got my interest into you know, real estate. I'm married for the second time in my life, but I'm in a really good place. I've been to some dark places in my life, but um, things have gotten to a point where I'm just very comfortable and happy and uh, appreciative of what's going on around me. And I'm also very mindful of, of how lucky I am. So um, yeah, I left a lot out, but there you go. And you left a lot out, but there's, you know, there's a lot that's intriguing there. Um, one of the things that you mentioned was that this is your, you know, your second marriage. Were you, uh, when did you stop drinking, like in between your first and second uh, marriages? So I had been a drinker, you know, all through like my, you know, mid twenties, all the way until I was 40 years old. Uh, I got married in 02 and then divorced in 08 quit drinking in 2012. But when I was divorced in 08, that's when things really intensified in my drinking. Like it really went out of control crazy at that point. Um, so much so that really that five-year span, 08 to 2012, was just an ongoing piece of evidence of how messed up my drinking was. Um, and it prompted me to stop. I, you know, I, I kind of had a sense when I stopped of exactly what I needed to do. And, you know, for me, I had some, a lot of familiarity with AA. So I went and I did in those meetings what, um, you know, what, what I knew to do from before, which was to primarily just take what I need and leave the rest. So I was able to separate out kind of the things that I didn't want to be involved with in AA. Uh, but AA was instrumental for me at the beginning. But over the years, you know, because I've been sober for a while, and so have you, you know, um, the mindset has changed with me about my beliefs about it. And something that you mentioned at the very beginning of your podcast, as you do every time, is that, you know, there's only one right way, and that's the way that works for you. And I love being a part of those types of discussions, just to hear about how people do it, what's working for them, how they resist the uh, urge to critique what other people do and to simply just learn from how they do it. That's really a fascinating thing. And I find that in the process of learning those things, 
I don't drink in the middle while that's all going on. So it's wonderful. Yeah. And that's, uh, you, you gave me a few goosebumps there and <clears throat> the, what really like stuck with me was taking what worked for you and leaving what didn't. Right. And how that can really transform the way that you approach learning in life and like your curiosity. And instead of hearing something that doesn't really resonate with you, you don't like, and just shutting down, you're like, well, let's see what's in between there. Right. Is, is that full message? Um, what I, what, you know, is that full message just not there or is there something I can take from it and use it in my life? And that's, that's really, that's really something that's, um, that's an, I think it's a really important lesson to, to kind of, you know, highlight and give to people. Um, and it's, you know, it really is going to uh, benefit every aspect of your life, let alone, let's say you're just starting evaluating your relationship with alcohol. Now you can look at it. You could take things from multiple different places and see what works because something that didn't work for me is going to work for you. And something that worked for me, isn't going to work for you. Yeah. It's like the, old saying everybody you meet knows something that you don't you know and that might only be just a little thing that they know that you don't but mm -hmm. that little thing might be important and if I walk away from that and if I don't listen to them I'll never hear it because I'll just have sized them up based on what I see or my initial thoughts or judgment about them but you know, and sometimes they don't have anything to say. And sometimes I do listen for a long time and I don't hear anything that's useful. But I think that the practice of just being open to really fully paying attention to an idea and just hearing somebody out, um, it's 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 a pretty important part of being human, you know? Yes, I completely agree with you. And, uh, you know, that's really, that's really awesome and how I think this conversation is going to be that we have today is going to be really, you know, it's going to be impactful and things can, people can take and use. Um, and, you know, we've been talking a little bit and I asked you, you know, about your first marriage. And for those who don't know, like I am recently divorced and just started dating again. And I actually got married when I wasn't drinking. And so now I'm getting divorced and when I wasn't drinking, but I, I felt, I saw, I understand that darkness that comes around and how I knew that if I had, you know, there was the biggest craving that I had was I was eight and a half years without drinking. And the reason was I was about to be single again for the first time in 12 years. How do you, you know, how do I, how do I navigate being single without drinking? And that craving, I had to sit with it. And it was the, if I think back on it, it's probably the biggest craving I've had to drink since I quit drinking, like even in that first year, because it, my mind was just like, there is no way that we can do this. How, how do you meet people? How do you go get a woman's number? How do you, you know, without drinking, you've, you've only done it drinking and which I look, I, when I reflected later was a lie, but that's what my brain knew. So that's what I went back to and being divorced and navigating dating without drinking, you know, that's something that I would love to get your experience with that because a lot of people aren't sure how to approach that, how to, how to go about it. And it can make things to say interesting 
to be to be nice uh, about it, but it can make things awkward too. Well, like you were just saying, all the, the the pressure that you feel like I cannot get from point A single to in a relationship point B without drinking it, you know, it, I understand that there is a lot of social pressure out there and it's overwhelming and it's years of training and observation and we see that, you know, people meet each other at bars and that's where people kiss for the first time. And, and, you know, all of that has had an influence on me. And, you know, when I got, when I got sober, it was, you know, it was, it was hard for the reasons that it just, it is hard. It's a little bit of a shock, but I really wanted to be done. But all of a sudden, like, I feel like the size of the potential partners out there for me did shrink because there is such an emphasis on drinking as a part of dating. Now, I've fortunately been able to navigate my way through that into the situation that I'm in now, but it wasn't like that immediately. You know, my wife has been sober for, you know, four years, but, you know, she was a drinker when I met her. And that dynamic was kind of weird because as I started hanging out with her and getting, you know, more and more interested in her and really seeing some things in her that I liked a lot, I knew that there was this one thing that wasn't really compatible with with what I wanted long term, but I never judged her for it. I never talked to her about it. I just kind of let things unfold the way that they did. And I tried to be the best man that I could. And she said that later she told me that she was really attracted to me uh, in part because I had the word sober in my profile on Bumble. She said that she really liked that and was interested in that. And I guess that's a trend now that people really do put those words, alcohol-free, sober, non-smoker. Those are all over the dating profiles. And I think it's kind of actually cool to self-identify that in a forward-facing way to say, hey, yes, look, I'm looking for a potential partner or you know somebody to hang out with, but this is my value. You know, it's almost like, it's like some, almost like I wouldn't equate it with religion, and I'm not saying that it's a religion, but I think it is so intricate a part of of our lifestyle, at least of mine, that I want people to know that about me, not in a bad way, but just to kind of say this. I just want to know, <laughs> let you know where I am, and um, yeah, I I couldn't have worked out better for me, and I'm glad that my wife got sober because that made things a lot easier. <laughs> I uh, I know exactly, you know the okay this the dating pool feels smaller. Um, and that is, that is daunting. It is daunting. And how, okay, this is a value of mine. How can I navigate this? And the fact that you were not judgmental, like that's huge. Uh, that's, that's absolutely massive. And that you didn't push it on other people. Uh, that's, that's something that it just talks to the type of person that you are, because that's very difficult for, you know, even like, even, but like, that's difficult for myself to do too. So being able to do that, navigate it, look how it can end up. And that's so awesome. Well, I think it's a part of it too, was like during that time when I was dating her and during that time when I was, you know, so I was surrounding myself with just people who kind of reflected my values or would 
be content to, enough to call me out on my BS and say, well, you, I don't think you should do this or that doesn't seem right or on brand for you or whatever. And and I would try to really digest that and to accept what they had to say and then take a look at it. Um, but yes, the dating pool is a lot smaller, but I think that, you know, when once you stick that flag up and just say, this is what I'm all about, I think the right people do come, but I think that it has to be followed. You have to inter, I have to interact with people in a way that's not arrogant and not judgmental because I don't want them to think that I'm that way because I'm not like I don't have any problem with anybody who drinks but I just don't want to be I can't really go all in with somebody yes. who, who lives that life and I have even said this to a, a, a friend of mine you know I've, I've been friends with this guy for years he's a guy friend close we talk vulnerable we talk real we know each other's stuff and I've, you know, he's always like, you know, hey, you want to go hiking? You want to do this? Maybe we can all go out to dinner and everything. And I told him finally this year, I was like, look, dude, I said, I really can't go all in on you. Like, I love you. Like, you are my friend. But I can't be like, because of the, you know, the drinking. And I said, it's not just regular drinking with you. And like, I'm friends with him enough to tell him this, you know, but I was like, you know, you, you guys get hammered at your house. And like, I just, that's not, that's, I don't do that anymore. And that doesn't mean that I don't love you because I do, but I just can't come together in that way. And it was very much that way in the dating world. And I'm not jealous of somebody like you who's having to work through that right now, but I think there are signs that it's getting a lot better because people, there's a thirst for this knowledge. There definitely is. And with, you know, with January coming up, so for time frame for those who don't know, like we're a few days before New Year's Eve and dry January is huge. You see like sober October getting more, um, a lot more relevant things like that. Like the sobriety is blowing up in the zeitgeist and the culture. And one thing that you said though, about how, you know, you had to be true to yourself and your values and, you know, be yourself authentically show up as yourself. So instead of trying to change somebody, find somebody that fits into your life. And what helped me to get over the shrinking of the dating pool has been understanding that I need to be picky anyway. Just because I'm dating somebody doesn't mean they're the right fit. So that is something that, oh, okay. So if they don't align with me, that's okay. Because there's somebody out there who will. So, and it doesn't have to be perfect alignment. And I think that's what's absolutely beautiful with what you said too, because sometimes I think nowadays, I think especially nowadays, but it's probably been prevalent throughout culture. We just haven't really talked about it where you have these non-negotiables, except the non-negotiables list is like 50 things wrong or long. And you're like, okay, if you don't meet every single one of these criteria, it's a no. Whereas there can be things that can be shifted and moved so what are like your two three four five non-negotiables that are lines in the sand and can you learn to grow together through some of these other these other aspects and that's something that is really important too and, and that flexibility is authentic and you're going to grow anyway so what's a non-negotiable now might not be the same non-negotiable five years from now Exactly. Because humans change, you know, we are changing, our minds are changing, 
You and I today are thinking thoughts that nobody in the history of the world has ever thought. You know, like it's weird. Hmm. Not in not in the way that we thought them, right? Not yeah. in the manner, and not with the storyline <laughs> that led up to that thought. We are complicated bunches of stuff, and we're talking about the human heart here too. That's in the middle of it. But it's also, I think, like being in the second marriage for myself, and I'm learning that there is something to a partnership and learning about this other person, you know? And like, just because I am married to this person or just because I'm dating this person does not mean that I am an expert in them and they're not an expert in me. You know, we're, we're, we're learning each other and we're trying to take that list of 50 and, 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 and merge it together a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, and understand that, you know, yeah, there's some sticking points and some ways that we do things and some philosophical things that are different, but if there's some mutual respect and we got a couple of the really big ones both checked off that I think it's set up for a good relationship, whether it's a romantic or just a friendship. Wow. Like what you just said is there's again, so many amazing points there to highlight. And the fact that I think a lot of times because we've been conditioned with, you know, Disney and fairy tales and stuff like that, we think, oh, I need to be an expert. I am an expert because I'm the closest to this person. But if you have the mindset that I'm not an expert and I'm learning that person, wow, does that change things? And just how that sparks what you're talking about, like the partnership and being there as, a, as another human and co-creating in this world, something that is, is more in alignment with ourselves than the fairy tale ever could be. Yeah. And like those stories, the fairy tale stories, you know, are told and we see them in the movies and in books and whatever. It's just a it's just a product. That's just a story. It's a narrative. It's just to get a show on Netflix, to get a book on the shelf. And, you know, if we can, you know, if we can overcome that and the possibilities are really great for us, but we have to create and believe in what we're doing and not necessarily what other people are doing or what we're being told in, through, through various forms of media. Yes. Yes. One thing that I've come to understand and I try to, you know, reflect other people, especially clients that I work with is you don't have to allow the past to define who you are. You can choose to use the past to inform who you want to be and who you want to be is who you can like who you can define yourself as and so when you do that you can create you know something that you didn't even know was possible and if you use that with creating a relationship i mean i don't know how many people out there have had a healthy relationship modeled to them i know honestly i haven't so i don't even know what it's supposed to feel like i have an idea a little bit you know kind of like a very murky foggy idea of what it kind of should be ish but it's going to look completely different from what it did before and having that mindset and that understanding it's really made you know the dating experience i get asked a lot like oh you know tell me how bad is it dating and i'm like that hasn't been bad like first i want to acknowledge i'm a dude so i don't have weird dudes sending me dick pics like you know that is a real thing i can completely understand how as a woman there's 
still a lot of things, a lot, let's just use the word toxicity out there that can come from navigating, um, meeting people, but it's, it's been a way for me to meet interesting people. It's been a way for me to meet myself in relationship and this more healed and growing version of myself that I don't know exactly how I'm going to be in a relationship because I'm completely different than I was the last time I was dating. So trying to put those expectations and those things that I had the last time I was dating onto me now, that's, that's doing myself a disservice and just setting me up for failure. It's the hardest thing to do though, to just renew oneself, to just to make a declaration to myself, I'm starting over. This is it. It's all new. Let's go. And that, and everybody's doing that at this time of year as we talk because it's, you know, almost New Year's. And I don't know. I think that's why a lot of New Year's resolutions fail, too, because people have all these unrealistic expectations. You know, it's like, how about I go out there and I just try? How about I know I can't go to the gym and deadlift this or bench this? But I can go and pick up and do, you know, three sets of 10 on this machine. And I can, you know, I can do a little and make my start. And that's what I should do. And I can feel good about doing that. And I I imagine that it's the same in any in any endeavor. I think that's probably part of the recipe to it. And to get out of my own head and not beat myself up, which, by the way, I feel like I have a master's in that. You know, nobody like if you want to talk about how to screw yourself up, talk yourself out of things. Like I am an expert in that. I'm not an expert in a lot of other stuff, but that I have some authority to speak on (laughs) because the past 35 years have been riddled with that, you know, but like to be able to say that and to joke about it is one thing, but to be able to engage in a real conversation with another guy you know, in an intimate way to talk about the real things about life and where the struggles are to get some good feedback. That's a great, that's a great thing. You know, that's, and to have the point in, you know, to be at a place where my mind is open enough and, and a little bit wise enough to, to do that is just miraculous compared to what I was. Oh, oh, same for me. And I've been talking a lot about this um, like the past week I don't know why, but it's been a well, it's the end of the year, but I've been reflecting a lot uh, with friends and people and this podcast alone, if you go back and listen to like the first few episodes, then you listen like 60 episodes in ish, you listen now, three completely different RJs, like completely different. And that's something that when you can look back and you understand that you've been growing and taking stock. And like you said, you know, I was laughing about you know, being your own worst enemy, being your own harshest critic, all that, because that's, that's me, that's me. And I, you know, I think as there's a lot of people, but I would say, especially men who we, that's a point of pride. Mm -hmm. Oh, nobody can be hard on me, harder on me than myself. So go ahead, give me your feedback. But the truth is that keeps you stuck. That keeps you from moving forward. And it's not actually useful. (laughs) And uh, I love what you said too, about the new year's resolutions. And I sum this up and we have to start from where we are and be honest about where we are, not from where we wish we were. So exactly what you said about deadlifting and bench pressing and all that. How often do we say, I should be able to do this. Why can't I do this? 
And then that just gets you to walk away because that is about a perfection mindset and not about the progress. And what you're talking about with just trying, put yourself out there, see what happens. That's about the progress. And that's when you can really start to make some massive changes in your life that you didn't even know you could. Right. And you're not going to do it all in one month, you know, 30 30 days of anything isn't going to solve any of your problems, you know, whatsoever. So I still think it's great to make New Year's resolutions and to, you know, do a dry January and to challenge yourself to get back in the gym and get on a workout routine. But I would say, don't set the bar low. Don't set it high. Set it reasonable, whatever it is that you want to do, you know, just make it so that make it so that it's enjoyable whatever it is, and yes. that there's less fear around it. Um, because if there's any sort of fear or anxiety about it, I will check out of that faster than anything, you know? Oh, yeah. And, you know, this is something that um, I'm actually going to be posting about later today with instead of resolutions, what I've done unintentionally, and now I've seen like psychologists and other self-help people talk about this, um, since because I wasn't really in that space when I started it, instead of having a resolution, have a theme for your year, set an intention for what you want it to be. Because if you set that resolution, you're kind of capping yourself. You're, you're holding yourself into, like you said, a, a lot of times it's a perfectionist standard. Whereas if you set that theme, now you have, it's going to look different two, three months from now than it did at the start, but you're still following that theme. And it's really just about bettering, bettering yourself, bettering your life, how you feel going through your life. And the first year that I did this, it was all about growth, like growing as a person, growing this podcast, growing, um, growing into myself. And I had never experienced so much growth because I had that intention. And at first people were like, well, that's, that's super broad. What does that mean? And it's like, well, I know what it means. So that's fine that you think that but all that matters is what it means to me. So, you know, whether it's to be healthier, whether it's to be in better shape or able to play with your kids for longer, different, different things like that, having that theme can really give you some guidelines and not, maybe you will surpass what your original resolution was because you approached it from a different angle and we're able to just get there. So what's your mantra for this year? What's your banner that you're flying? Yeah. So this year it's expansion. So taking everything that I have learned and implemented this year, expanding on it, um, really just stop keeping myself small and actually growing into who I really am even more. And then putting myself into places to be seen instead of just hoping that people see me or come find me where I am putting myself out there to be seen. So it's kind of those, it's those two things. Well, I have to put my, uh, my follow-up hat on that my wife would say, she would put on <laughs> her follow-up hat and say, all right, well, what do you have? What, what's specific? What's coming up? What are the goal? What are the goals surrounding that? Yeah. So expansion is really just enlarging my business, uh, enlarging what I have to offer. So, you know, I'm going to have a group that's starting in February about self-discovery after alcohol and creating, you know, some more stuff around self-discovery 
and where it comes into, you know, after drinking, after honestly marijuana use, after escaping from your life, you want to be present. That's what I want to be able to do. Um, it's going to look like me actually approaching other podcasts, other content creators and coaches and pitching how I, you know, my unique perspective can, um, be of a benefit to their audience and just trying to put myself out there in more of this space so that I can, uh, I can have even more reach and more of a, more of an impact than I do right now. And then, you know, part of the, that's part of going to be seen. And then part of the expansion too, is just, um, not limiting myself when it comes to honestly, just about every area, business, you know, financial, um, spiritual, just continuing to explore different aspects and having an open mind to see what resonates with me and I can take and leave the stuff that doesn't. There's a surprise guest over here at the podcast. Yep. Every once in a while, they make an appearance. <laughs> That's a nice shirt. Mario Brothers. I remember that when I was a kid. Oh, it's it's make it has I don't think it's ever gone away really, but since the movie it's had a massive comeback. So yeah. uh it's pretty fun. Would would you say that you have a theme for the year if you're thinking about it? I know it's probably putting you on the spot. Well, it is putting me on the spot, but that's what this is all about. Doing, <laughs> doing these types of things. Uh my wife and I actually went to the coffee shop the other day and we used three, four, five, six pages of notebook to write down all the things that we want to get kind of corralled in our life. And that meeting was really, you know, really productive. You know, it's like, okay, we got a bunch of good stuff going on, you know, and here are the good things that are going on in our life. And they kind of look at like the little things that need work within those things that are going good and how they could be better, how they could be easier streamlined was a word that we used a lot, you know, um, but just kind of looking at everything and trying to fine tune and tighten all of the, 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 the metrics and the, the money that we spend, the time that we spend, um, how can we maximize that? And then also leave time for ourselves and the things that we re really want to do personally and professionally, wh whatever those are. I've been talking to you for months now about wanting to do my podcast and I have the equipment downstairs in my basement. I have a copy of Adobe audition from the Clinton administration down there on my computer. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a deer in the headlights with the technical stuff, you know, but, and I know this is really specific, but like, I want to get that going um, because coming from a broadcast you know, history and profession, I'm very much interested in continuing to do this and to not only bring some of the things that I know to a podcast, but to learn from some of the other people that I would talk to. I love listening to other people's stories and hearing how other people ask good questions on their podcasts and how good conversations begin to happen. And I'm a student of that and I want to continue my education, but my education is sitting on a table downstairs in the basement and I need to get out those uh, defibrillators and get it going. So that's, that's a goal, but I did work on that today. 
I have it unboxed. I'm looking at it. I've reached out to another gentleman who is a friend who I know can help me with some aspects of that. So like you, I'm working on it too. And I think that that's a really great example of like a resolution that is helpful because I don't think all resolutions are unhelpful and like put us in this place where we just end up sad that we didn't get to it, but that's a reasonable one. And I like how you said, you know, continuing like your education and learning, like Mm -hmm. that's, that's something that I didn't expect from this podcast that has been, I would not be who I am without the podcast. And it really has been exactly what we talked about having conversations with people, listening to other perspectives on similar, similar journeys of my own, but also just reflecting um, on what they say and seeing if it's true for me. And that's, that's, that's going to be real. I'm excited to hear, you know, when you get that up and going and just watch how that goes, because it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, You know, as, as we're kind of winding down a little bit, what is um, looking back at having your relationship and kind of, you know, you talked about talking and using six pieces of paper in a notebook to talk about things that you would both like to work on, not to mention what would benefit you individually. What was it like cultivating that kind of a, of a relationship with talking about shared goals, talking about goals that are ourselves individually, how can I help you get there? And really that's maintaining yourself in a relationship instead of losing yourself in the relationship. Well, I think that I, I don't know any way to answer that question other than to be extremely complimentary and flattering of my wife. But I will say that, you know, her presence in my life, her influence in my life has, you know, challenged me to be better in so many ways. And the, she has a lot of uh, regiment and structure to what she does, and I don't have that. And the influence of that is a positive one on me, and there are countless others. Um, you know, but there's also a love there inside of her and the way that she cares about other people, the time that she takes, the conversation that she might have with somebody. And I'm this way too, and I'm sure you are, but like just, you know, end up saying hello to somebody at the coffee shop and next thing you know, 20 minutes have gone by and y'all are talking and, and that happens. And that's, that's my wife, you know? And I think that it's about really wanting to learn and live a different life, you know, and, and knowing that I need to renew that, that effort every day, or, you know, it's not always going to be the same. Sometimes I can get down. We talked about that, getting down on ourselves. But the bottom line is I have a, a great life and I've gotten here by stepping outside of my comfort zone a little bit and saying yes to some things that I would not normally say yes to. And, you know, I'm not saying that my wife is one of those things that I would not say yes to um, because she's awesome. But inside of this relationship, so much positive has happened for me, you know, in terms of growth seeing things in a different way, learning by watching what somebody else does. Um, that, you know, that maturity, the maturity that comes with that um, is what made that day easier to, to think about those goals for next year. Because 
if I look back on the last year, we've accomplished a lot. A lot of great things have happened. And why can't we do more great things in the new year? We certainly will. That is, uh, it's really, you know, something to reflect on inside yourself with. Are you able to embrace some discomfort in order to grow? Are you able to, you know, understand that they, some things are going to be difficult to, um, you know, to have, and that's something, what, how do you want things to be? Do you want things to be different or do you want things to be the same? And if you want things to be different, you have to be, do things that you haven't done before, which is a source of uneasiness and a source of discomfort. And that's okay. It's okay to have that in life and not always be comfortable. Uh-oh. <laughs> Podcast, I remember uh, those days. Bomber. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, like I think there's a Buddhist saying that I resonated with it for at, at first, and it's taken like deeper, deeper meaning. The more that I really sit with it, and it's that we as humans will choose our own suffering because it's known over the unknown, which could be, you know, the cause of our liberation. And that was, I didn't quote it, you know, exact. There's a little bit of words that I did there, but how often do we choose to continue doing things that we don't enjoy and we don't like, and they don't bring us, you know, quote unquote happiness because we know what they are like instead of choosing to do something different we don't know what it's going to look like we don't know how it's going to be different but we wish things would be different however i'm not going to do anything different because what that looks like is going to be i don't know i don't i have no idea and it's uncomfortable and it's uneasy and i don't i don't i don't want to do that and you know like what how i go through life and the way that my mind works is it's so easy for me to walk by someone else and size them up and I can tell you their entire story and what's wrong with their life and precisely what they need to do to get it back corrected. I've got the fix for their relationship, you know, whether <laughs> that's, you know, walking away from it or how to rekindle it. I have all of these ideas, but it is a near impossibility for me to hold that same mirror up to myself and, and really evaluate myself. And to say, man, I, you know, here's what I need to do. But I think that I have that knowledge inside, but I stuff it down every single day. I just, I literally, I'm just, I'm hitting snooze on the things that I need to do. Ooh, I'm Ooh that's a good snooze one. snooze on the things that I need to do in my life, you know, to be fulfilled. So it's not like I'm just missing an appointment or, you know, not showing up uh, for whatever, you know, having a ticket to a game and not going, it's, that would be fine. But here, it's like, these are things that I really want to do about my existence and my time on this planet, and I'm not doing them. That That is such, like, hitting the snooze and not doing it. Like, man, that's something that when I, when I look back, you know, at my life, and especially my first six years sober, um, where I was on autopilot, and that's exactly like that that hit right in my heart because that's what I was doing every day was hitting that snooze button. And 
I knew that something had to change, but I didn't know what, I didn't know how to do it. And it took, you know, my now ex-wife coming to me and saying she wanted a divorce to like add the alarm clock, like wake me up and start doing something, anything, something's got to be different. And where is that going to start? And that's, you know, as I talk to people, there's like that feeling that we have where you want different. You don't know what it is. You know, there's more to life than what you're currently doing, but I don't know what it is. So I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing instead of looking at things that are interesting, being like, I wonder how that, that would feel. I'll try it. See, see what happens, see where it goes. Maybe it'll go someplace that I had no idea it could and just give you an idea of other places that it can go. And you don't know what that one thing is going to be, but it's, it's, it's absolutely just wonderful. And like the key to life that you can actually make your life right now way closer to the life that you want it to be than you realize. And it starts a lot of times with opening your mind to what you don't know. And then how are you talking to yourself? And like those two things, boom, it's like, oh, I, I can do this and this and this. And like, it just starts to, you know, take that, that domino effect that it can start to build on itself. And yeah, it's really, really powerful. How you talk to yourself. That's a big problem in my head and in my life. And I, 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 think that a lot of guys struggle with it and don't ever say anything about it because they are too proud, you know, that they would never admit to having this voice in their head that tells them these awful things that aren't true. But, you know, I struggle with it. I've talked to dudes who do struggle with it. And I think that it's just being aware of it and starting to understand what that is and where it came from and, you know, and being honest about it. Like, look, I got some fear about this right now. I am not happy about having to do this or I feel anxious about it. And for me, one of the huge things is I feel like I'm going to fail. feel like I'm yes. going to fail. I feel like I'm going to come in, you know, last place and I should just not even do it. Should not even do it because that, that trophy is not going to be mine, whatever it is. And I will talk myself out of that. And, you know, I don't have a fix for that for anybody. I'm working on the fix for it for myself. And I think that if there's any wisdom that emanates from anybody when they're talking about this, it's just that, that we are talking about it. It's just that we are challenging each other and ourselves by having this conversation about our fears and the things that hold us back, whether they're real or perceived, it doesn't matter. Like the more we talk about them, the less power they have and the more close we get to, I think what, could be real and true in our life and in our potential. That is so absolutely true. And, um, you know, there's a question that I ask people who are like, oh yeah, my self-talk, my self-talk is fine. And then I'll ask, okay, so if your kids or your grandkids or your niece or nephew, kids who are important to you, if you found out they talk to themselves the same way that you talk to yourself, how would you feel about that? Right. And most people are like, uh, I'd be horrified. No, they can't talk to themselves like that. Chances are they're going to because they are seeing 
whether we are verbalizing it or not, they're seeing how we talk to ourselves, expressions on our face, the way our emotions come out, different things that we do. And they will start to do that too. And as a parent of two young kids, six and four, working with my kids about their self-talk and how they, the words that they use. And one of the best fixes um, that you can do right now is when you feel yourself really being critical and saying, I am the, I am statements, those self-identifying statements. I am. And for me, it was, I'm such a piece of shit. Nobody could love me. I don't deserve love. I'm actually the cause of people's sufferings. The people I care about most and in their life, the cause of suffering is me. And so instead of me saying when I, when I get that, I am, because that keeps you stuck and that adds weight and you're just, you can't do anything with that. What, what am I going to do to better myself through that? Instead you ask, well, is that true? Number one. And then number two, you change the I am to that was right. And when you change the I am to that was, you stop identifying with the outcome. You stop identifying with that broad sweeping statement. And now you, when you don't identify with it, you can start to look at steps that that was such an asshole thing to do. I can do this different moving forward so that I don't make somebody else feel like that. Cause I'm not an asshole. I don't want to be an asshole. And just those, those little things right there. Honestly, within two weeks, you'll notice that your mood starts to tip, tick up. And one of the things that you'll notice I didn't say there was take it and make it positive because I don't, for me, that didn't work. Like I said, I looked in the mirror and I was like, what a piece of shit. So for me, I had to get to neutral. And mm-hmm. for me, that's still what I need because I'm still not like taking everything and turning it positive. I'm more taking these stories and breaking them into truth so that I can actually use it to be the person that I want to be moving forward. Yeah, I totally, uh, I love the, that was, that's a good little hack right there. That is really cool. And then something else you were just saying really got me thinking about how we, you know, at home goods or whatever store, there's all this, you know, live the life you want, you know, positivity, happiness, put these on the wall all over the place. But like, is that really true? Am I living that way today? Like, are my thoughts going to just take me to those places? Probably not. I like your idea of like, let me just get to neutral, you know, like I'm not going to be able to go 220 miles an hour. I'm going to need to go 40 miles an hour first, you know, and feel comfortable with the car that I'm driving. And like, it's just, it's so true. There's all this undue pressure out there and, you know, to, to be the best and the most positive and these are expectations that yes. are put by somebody else, not not me, not you. Yes. And so many times when you're like, well, you know, I should be looking at myself different. Like I've been working on myself through this for over two years. And I've had people um, tell me like good friends, like I wish that I could love myself the way that you love yourself. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. you are putting something on me that's not true. Like I still do not necessarily love myself. There are times where I do give myself love, 
but that's not the same as saying, looking in the mirror and saying, I love you and meaning it. I'm more of, I'm still at the, you're, you know, a lot of times it's, you're okay. You're okay. Just keep moving forward. You're okay. The best that I can get to right now is, you know, Hey, you're doing pretty damn good. Keep it up. And like, but that's so much further than where I was that it feels and it it looks from the outside, like it's self-love. And so I try to tell people and clients and, you know, instead of moving from that self-hatred to self-love, why don't we just get to self okay? And then maybe we can get to self friend and then maybe we can get to self best friend and then go up to self love. But let's, let's break it into steps so that it's attainable. I went on a men's retreat uh, two times recently. And the first one that I went on was with a guy who, you know, he's yoga instructor, you know, he does some teaching in his retreats and, you know, just a little guy talk and some meditation, walk in the woods, cold plunge. But I noticed in the bathroom at his house, which is where we started our day, uh, I was like four four or five guys and him. He had a little picture on his uh, mirror uh, in the bathroom of him as a little kid. And somebody asked him about it. Somebody was like, why do you have that picture of you as a little kid in the bathroom? And he's like, I'll tell you a story about that. He's like, I don't know where I heard this, but he's like, I am that little kid. And he's like, I I look at that. I see that little kid every day. And it does remind me of how far I have come from being that little kid. And it also reminds me that I love that little kid. I love that little kid who is innocent and pure and untainted by the world, you know. But it's a reminder that I still need to love that little kid in me and that we're connected and that that little kid I'm here because of that little kid. And I just found it to be a very interesting uh, analogy. And I, I, the way that this guy lives his life, I mean, if that's helping him, I want to do it, you know, because it seems like he stays on a real even keel, but we have come a long way. We have, even if, even if we screw up once in a while, we're still a long way from where we were. Mm. It's that progress, not perfection. Mm -hmm. And I, I have heard stories and like people doing that and it, it makes sense to me and how I parent is similar. You know, I look at my kids and especially my oldest, my oldest, he's a, like, when I see him, I see myself at that age. I just, everything he does, it's just like, I see me. And so my thoughts are, and I, do, I, I, I am not a perfect parent. I still have moments of losing my temper and everything like that. I'm human. Right. However, what I try to do first is what would I need when I was that kid in that moment? What is it that I would need? And sometimes it's just an apology and it's an explanation. And sometimes it's a hug and sitting with him while he's crying and not telling him that we can't cry, you know, letting him know it's not just okay to do this, but it's good. It's good to do this and tell people that, you know, that made me really sad. That hurt me when you did that. And just like those moments, it it heals me inside a, a little bit at a time. And that's where like on this journey, I've become a, a parent and a dad that I didn't know I could be. 
And it's just, when I reflect on it, it's like, wow, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure where that came from. I know it came from inside of me, but still like, it's a point that I can actually be proud of myself. And that's not something that I, I used to be able to do. And, uh, that's yeah, that your story that brought that up for me. And that's something that I, I, I tell dads when I talk to them, like, you know, come from this place because you, if you come from that place, you will never act in a way that you're like, I wish I had done different. Yeah. That's a great, great story though. That's great. That's, that's awesome about the way you do that. And it really is. It's, oh, it is a far cry from when I started as a dad, <laughs> which, you know, that's, it's six years, but a lot can change in six years. A lot can change in one year. And mm-hmm. really, you know, I think the theme of this podcast of having that open mind following your curiosity and just trying, showing up, trying something different for yourself is it's one of the most powerful ways you can approach life. This is a great conversation to be having right before the new year, you know, to kind of get get me in the mindset of thinking about this though. You know, it's true, you know, little, it's the little things and the little changes that we make that, add up to be the big things in our life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Rich, this conversation has been just, it's been so, so amazing. And I mean, we started at dating while sober and now we're at like, you know, life philosophies and going through mm-hmm. life and healing really. Um, if people want to reach out to you, follow you, you know, have, have a conversation with you, how could they, what's the best way for them to do that? So, of course, social media is the best way to get me. Um, I really like the conversation on X, Twitter. Uh, Rich Sullivan's my handle on there. I think that a big benefit to me, even though I've been sober for a long time, and is just being surrounded by conversation um, about recovery, about people who are quitting drinking, about people who are finding out new ways to get through the holidays, different little tactics and tricks like I just love hearing all of it and I love being able to encourage other people and I love other people being able to encourage me. It's like, it's an amazing place. You just, somebody puts up there, I'm two weeks sober today, bang, 300 retweets, 600 likes, you know, it's just, there's no other place I don't know of where sobriety and, you know, making progress in away from substances and bad habits I don't know of any other place where it's celebrated as much as uh, on X and Twitter. It's just, it really is great. But yeah, that's how people can get a hold of me. And then I'm on uh, uh, Instagram, of course, Rich Sullivan underscore. Um, but yeah, my message is just, uh, you know, set those goals, but don't set them too high and give yourself some grace. And I think the biggest thing for me is getting out of my own head and trying to help somebody else. It's amazing. That's a piece of wisdom that comes from AA, but I'm sure it comes from way far back before that. But, um, you know, when I'm helping somebody, when I'm listening to somebody else's problems, all of a sudden my problems start to seem a lot less. And being an ear for somebody can be a big help for them. 
And even though you might not even ever say anything back to them, not offer them any advice, just sitting with them and listening to them can be a wonderful thing for that, for a person. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm so delighted that we were finally able to make this conversation happen because this is a powerful, really powerful one. And it is, God, it's really, it's, my day was a really good day, but it just take, it took it to like great, you know, phenomenal that this is really powerful. And, you know, I really encourage people to reach out, reach out to Rich, follow him, follow Rich and let him know, you know, how his perspectives are giving you um, different ways of approaching life and improving. And it can be small ways, but as Rich said, the small things really add up to being life-changing. Well, thank you, man. It was really good to catch up with you and talk face-to-face for the first time. I know we've been following each other for a good while, and <laughs> I enjoy your videos walking around in the woods. I'm glad to see you without those shades on anymore <laughs> so we can see that good-looking face of yours. And, uh, you know, I, I think some good and great things uh, are coming our way in 2024. Uh, and, and it's just really good to kind of set the tone for the start of the new year with a nice talk with you. Yeah, I I completely agree with all of that. It's been, wow. Thank you for those kind words. It's really, it's really wonderful. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it means a lot to me. So yeah, you know what, everybody, let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today. Because at least we don't make it, we tried. I love you. Have a great week, everyone.